Dunkin' Cold Coffee can be brewed at home in your Keurig coffee maker with Dunkin' Cold K-Cup pods. Just brew it hot over ice and enjoy flavor that's crafted to serve cold. The home with Dunkin' is where you want to be. Good morning. Challenging the system. To be clear. Sorry. Take your time. In gripping and emotional testimony, four star gymnasts appear on Capitol Hill detailing the abuse they suffered and confronting the FBI over the mishandling of their cases. It was like serving innocent children up to a pedophile on a silver platter. An official investigation never opened, allowing the assaults to continue for years. It is astonishing and disturbing how many adults let you down. This morning, Allie Raisman joins us live to talk about their experience and why they say an apology from the head of the FBI is not enough. Breaking overnight, spectacular start. The first ever launch of an all-civilian space crew goes off without a hitch. The Inspiration4 now in orbit, 357 miles above Earth. We'll take you inside their groundbreaking mission and why it's already been seen as one giant leap for space tourism. Battle over boosters on the eve of the key FDA hearing. Health officials at odds over whether we need them or not. Pfizer and Moderna making a major push for those extra shots, but some doctors not yet convinced. Keep focusing on getting the first dose into people who haven't received vaccine yet. We'll have the very latest on where things stand. New twist, the prominent attorney at the center of those mysterious cases in South Carolina set to turn himself in today as yet another new investigation is launched. Just ahead, the questions now being asked about the death of Alec Murdaugh's longtime housekeeper. Those stories plus let the debate begin for the first time in nearly two decades. Rolling Stone is updating its iconic list of the greatest songs of all time and the brand new number one today, Thursday, September 16th, 2021. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Hey, everybody. Welcome to today. It's a Thursday morning. So happy that you are starting your day with us. We sure are. Mm -hmm. We've got a lot to get to, including that amazing yeah. overnight launch. The inspiration for the first ever all civilian space crew now orbiting the Earth as we speak after that beautiful mm. sight. A nighttime launch. Nothing like it. Carrie Sanders is live at the Kennedy Space Center this morning. And we're going to talk about the mission with a former NASA astronaut. Also ahead, new developments in a pair of mysteries. South Carolina attorney Alec Murdoch is set to turn himself into police today after admitting he paid a man to shoot him as part of an elaborate insurance scam. Plus, police in the case of that missing 22-year-old woman who never returned home from a cross-country road trip are now naming her fiancé, who was traveling with her, a person of interest in the case. We've got to have the latest on both of those stories coming up. But we do start with that emotional testimony from four of the country's top gymnasts taking the FBI to task in a Senate hearing for its failures in the Larry Nassar investigation. Allie Raisman was one of them. We will speak to her live in just a moment. But first, NBC's 
Suzanne Thompson is in Washington with a look at what Ali, Simone Biles and others had to say. Hey, Ann, good morning. Good morning, Hoda. It was an extraordinary hearing. The gymnasts say they were very gratified by the words of support and compassion from the senators as the women described their sexual abuse by the team's doctor in sometimes excruciating detail. But the horror doesn't end there. The women made it very clear they spoke up detailing their abuse to the FBI and the agents did nothing. And by doing nothing, the FBI allowed more children to be abused. We have been failed and we deserve answers. In gut-wrenching testimony on Wednesday, the four lead gymnasts begged the Senate Judiciary Committee to hold the FBI and top gymnastics officials accountable for the sexual abuse they suffered at the hands of USA Gymnastics doctor Larry Nasser, the sport's biggest star, Olympian Simone Biles, fighting back tears. I don't want another young gymnast, Olympic athlete, or any individual to experience the horror that I and hundreds of others have endured before, during, and continuing to this day in the wake of the Larry Nassar abuse. Nasser is now serving up to 175 years in prison, pleading guilty to abusing 10 of the more than 265 accusers who came forward. Fellow gymnast Michaela Maroney recalled how Nasser repeatedly sexually assaulted her, telling lawmakers that in 2015 she spent three hours on the phone with an FBI agent, sharing graphic details of the abuse that she had not yet shared with her own mother. I began crying at the memory over the phone, and there was just dead silence. I was so shocked at the agent's silence and disregard for my trauma. After that minute of silence, he asked, is that all? Ali Raisman echoed that, saying the FBI's response to her allegations had a devastating impact. The FBI made me feel like my abuse didn't count and it wasn't a big deal. The FBI didn't officially open an investigation until nearly a year after it first learned of the allegations. In that time, it's estimated Nasser abused at least another 70 gymnasts. I'm deeply and, and profoundly sorry. FBI Director Chris Ray, who did not lead the Bureau at the time, is acknowledging its mishandling of the case, telling the committee that of the two agents who lied about their actions, one has retired and the other has been fired, adding reforms are already underway. Maggie Nichols was the first athlete to report Nasser's abuse to USA Gymnastics in 2015. Her mother, Gina Nichols, told Savannah in a 2018 Dateline how frustrated she was by the FBI's limited follow-up. I reported this over a year ago, and you're the first person from any form of law enforcement that has called me. And I said, so when did you get this assignment? He told me yesterday. Maggie Nichols wants answers and action. Maggie, what is justice? I think justice is holding those accountable who failed us throughout our um, gymnastics career and throughout our childhood. While the director of the FBI showed up at yesterday's hearing, the Justice Department officials who have so far refused to charge those two former agents for lying about what they did declined to attend, leaving the gymnasts with the impression that the Justice Department doesn't care. Hoda and Savannah. And thank you. And joining us now on the heels of that appearance on Capitol Hill is Allie Raisman. Allie, 
the trauma was apparent, the bravery was apparent, and just pointed out that maybe you guys did not feel heard after all. Um, it's been a few hours since your testimony. Tell us, tell us about that. Yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to describe how I'm feeling. There's so many different emotions. First, I'm, um, I'm anxious, I'm triggered, I'm drained. Um, I, it's heartbreaking even just to listen back to my, my teammates and my very close friends, their testimonies. I'm, I'm so proud of them. And um, it's hard. It's hard to do that. It's, um, it's hard to go up there and share so much. Um, and I will say, though, I, I felt a little bit more hopeful with how supportive the senators were. And I'm really hoping that they're going to be able to help us. But um, very disappointing that nobody from the Department of Justice came. It just, to me, sends a message that um, they didn't think that it was worth their time, which is really concerning. Allie, the, the FBI director confirmed that the two agents most directly involved have either been fired or retired. That's some accountability, but I know you think it has to go much deeper and must, much farther. What do, would you like to see happen here? Yeah, you know, the, the um, retirements and people getting fired without explanation it, it it's the way i look at it is it's it leaves room for us to speculate or guesswork and when we're talking about children being safe and sparing them from the abuse that i and so many others went through um in order for us to be confident this won't happen again we need a full and complete independent investigation and we need to look at how the fbi usopc and usa gymnastics um the interplay among all three organizations, all three need to be investigated independently. And we need to be looking at the connection of how all three um, work together. And, you know, as I said, that the senators seem to be very validating and very supportive of us, which we are very grateful for. And my question to them is if they can help us and if they can get those investigations um, rolling for us, because we've been asking for it for years. And until we have that, like, why was this why did this person get to retire? What did they do that the FBI felt was um, was not okay that they had to let them go? And, and why did they get to slip out the back door um, just like so many others have? It was sickening, uh, quite frankly, to understand that you guys have, had talked to the FBI agents. And you said that an FBI person you spoke to tried to convince you that your trauma, which is so incredibly apparent, wasn't that bad. What did that agent do to make you feel that way? Yeah, well, from the very beginning when I was reporting my abuse to Steve Penny, from the very beginning, um, Steve Penny kept telling my mom and I um, that the most important thing was to keep things confidential. The most important thing was, you know, to give Michaela Maroney breathing room. He was trying to make sure we weren't talking about it. It seemed that his biggest concern all along was that this wasn't going to get out. It was never, mm-hmm. how are you feeling? What can we do to mm-hmm. help you? Um, I remember one time I, I asked um, Steve Penny, just making sure that Nasser wasn't going to be at a competition. And Steve Penny said something back, like, can you just sign your tour agreement already? Like, it was just, it was, there was never any concern for how we were doing. And it's the same feeling with the FBI. I followed up so many times. My mom would follow up because I was in, you know, it was so triggering for me. I was so afraid. And so my mom has been such a warrior and such a big support system for me and kept following up. We kept asking if the FBI would interview me and always told I'm working on it. I'll get it to you. Don't worry about it. We're handling it. And unfortunately, we thought USA Gymnastics was going to be doing the right thing. 
And so there was a lot of pressure from the FBI agent to be interviewed at the United States Olympic Committee. I said so many times I was not comfortable with that. I was under the care of USA Gymnastics and the United States Olympic Committee. So I personally didn't feel comfortable being interviewed there. Steve Penny flew in the morning of my interview. Um, and I just remember I didn't feel supported in that when I was going into graphic detail about my abuse, which is clearly, um, I don't know the proper definition, sexual abuse or sexual assault. It was clearly that, and it happened more times than I can even count. The agent um, just kept diminishing my abuse and telling me that, you know, he didn't really feel like it was that big of a deal and maybe I should drop the case. And, and when it was convenient for the FBI agent, he flew into Boston, even though I requested to have my original interview there with my mom there. Um, when it was convenient for him and he wanted to convince me to take Nasser's plea deal or pressure me to take Nasser's plea deal, that was appropriate for him. He felt worth his time to fly to Boston. Um, so it was just not a good experience. And, and listening to Michaela Maroney's testimony was just gut-wrenching to hear her experience as well. It's um, it's devastating. Yeah, well, Holly, I mean, it, it is so clear that all of you were failed, mm -hmm. failed over mm. and over again, and it's despicable to think about the, the young women, the girls, the girls who Kids, were abused yeah. after uh, that first report came from Maggie, and they were waiting for mm -hmm. the FBI to do something. Ali, you, you and your... Fellow gymnasts, we're so courageous. Yep. Thank you for speaking out. Thank you for using your voice. Thank you for being here. We really appreciate Thank it. You, Thank you, Allie. Thanks for having me. Thanks. And now we move to the high states debate over those COVID booster shots ahead of a key meeting on their fate. We're getting a look at new data on that extra dose as the U.S. reaches another grim milestone. One in 500 residents has now died from COVID. NBC's Gabe Gutierrez joins us from Pfizer headquarters here in New York City. Gabe, good morning. Savannah, good morning. Tomorrow, Pfizer will break down its new booster shot data to a panel of outside advisors to the FDA. And then that panel is then expected to recommend whether more Americans should get the shots to help fight off COVID. This morning, the battle over boosters is intensifying after both Pfizer and Moderna released new research. In a 52-page report, Pfizer calling boosters an urgent public health issue. Citing data from Israel, Pfizer says people vaccinated this past January had a more than two-fold increased risk for breakthrough infection compared to those vaccinated in April. Moderna's president telling NBC News its vaccine also shows waning protection over time and that he expects more severe breakthrough cases will start to crop up. The question is not about how the vaccines are doing today or last month. It's really how are they going to do this winter? So far, FDA staff have declined to take a stance on booster shots, saying U.S. regulators haven't verified all available data. CDC advisors are set to meet next week to discuss boosters, which some top health care experts believe are not necessary yet. We ought to keep focusing on getting the first dose into people who haven't received vaccine yet. Many people haven't been vaccinated in places like Tennessee, which has the most COVID cases per capita right now. In Tarrant County, Texas, health officials say almost every pediatric hospital bed is full. So are ICUs because of the latest surge of COVID patients. And doctors at Alaska's largest hospital say ER patients have had to wait in their vehicles for hours and medical teams have been forced to ration care. You will not get the care that you deserve. It is happening. The Delta variant is also fueling heated debates as schools reopen. I vote to vote him out today. You right there, you clown. In 
Council Bluffs, Iowa, police were called to a school board meeting after parents erupted in protest over the district's decision to mandate masks. Meanwhile, here in New York, there is a fierce legal battle unfolding over vaccine mandates for health care workers. Savannah. All right, Gabe Gutierrez at Pfizer headquarters. Thank you. Craig joins the table now. A real firestorm surrounding the nation's top military officials. Yes, morning, indeed. Hoda, good morning, Savannah. Good morning to you as well. President Biden now voicing his confidence in General Mark Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, after a new book claims that the general secretly reached out to a Chinese counterpart during the Trump presidency. But others on Capitol Hill are reacting with outrage. NBC's chief Washington correspondent, Andrew Mitchell, has more on all of it. Andrew, good morning to you. Good morning, Craig. President Biden is defending the nation's top military officer for stunning revelations in that new book about the final year of the Trump presidency. But Mark Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, is coming under increasing fire from the former president and his Republican supporters. President Biden coming out squarely behind the embattled four-star general, a Trump appointee. I have great confidence in General Milley. The uproar over revelations in the new book Peril by Bob Woodward and Robert Costa. The journalist writing that after the January 6th insurrection, the general was so worried the former president might spark a war with China, he reached out to his Chinese military counterpart to reassure him the U.S. was not about to attack. Milley's spokesman saying his calls to the Chinese and others were to maintain strategic stability. But overnight, the former president calling Milley a complete nut job, after earlier suggesting he should be tried for treason. Appointed by Trump, he fell out of favor with the former president, in part for opposing Trump's demands the military be used against Black Lives Matter protesters after the killing of George Floyd. According to the book, Milley said in an Oval Office meeting, it is not an issue for the United States military to deploy forces on the streets of America, Mr. President. On June 1st, when protests broke out across from the White House, the authors write Trump was furious, telling top officials, we look weak, we don't look strong. That night, U.S. Park Police used riot control techniques to clear the park. Milley, wearing his camouflage uniform, accompanied Trump and other top officials across Lafayette Square for what turned into a widely criticized photo opportunity. The book quotes Milley telling his security chief, This is a political event and I'm out of here. Ten days later, he apologized, calling it a mistake. I should not have been there. My presence in that moment and in that environment created a perception of the military involved in domestic politics. Republican Trump supporters in Congress are calling for an investigation and for Milley to be fired. Defense Secretary Austin is standing by him, and many retired officers say that his talks with the Chinese were an appropriate effort to reassure an adversary after the tumultuous January 6th attack on the Capitol. Craig. Our Chief Washington Correspondent, Andrew Mitchell. Andrew, thank you. Nineteen, 19 minutes after the hour. <laughs> Couldn't get that straight. Miss Dillon's in. How you doing, Dillon? It's something. It's yeah. something o'clock. We uh, are still keeping an eye on post-tropical cyclone Nicholas down in Louisiana, where we do have uh, some flood watches in effect because this whole system is moving so, so slowly. And while it's not pouring right now in several areas, we are going to see that increase as we go into this afternoon. So this isn't like a widespread swath of rain that's going to move through, but as long 
long as this area of low pressure hangs around, we're going to see spotty showers and thunderstorms, and some of those could produce two to three inches of rain per hour on top of an already very saturated ground. That could lead to more flooding. And this is going to be the case through the day today, through the day tomorrow as well, all across the New Orleans area, through Alabama, through the panhandle of Florida as well. We could see storm totals with this whole thing, up to 8 to 12 inches of rain. So that's why we do still have to monitor the flooding concern along the Gulf Coast. And that's your latest forecast. All right, Dylan, thank you. Uh, Coming up after a groundbreaking and breathtaking nighttime launch, we're going to check in on the Inspiration4, the first all-civilian crew in space. Carrie joins us from the launch pad, and we'll talk about the very important mission with a former NASA astronaut. Plus, even more stunning twists in that saga in South Carolina. We've been following Alec Murdoch turning himself into police today after he admitted arranging his own shooting. We're going to have the latest on this, and the new criminal investigation just opened into the death of his former housekeeper. But first, on a Thursday morning, this is Today on NBC. In life, we're often driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to find candidates isn't to search. It's to match with Indeed. Indeed's a matching and hiring platform used by over 300 million global monthly users, according to Indeed data. Need quality candidates fast? Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging. And you'll connect with candidates in no time. And it's not just faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And here's the best part. Listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit, giving your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash today. Just go to Indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash today. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, Willie Geist here, reminding you to check out the Sunday Sit-Down Podcast. On this week's episode, I get together with seven-time Grammy winner Casey Musgraves to talk about the inspiration for her new album, the process she uses to write those beautiful songs, and finding success while bucking convention in Nashville. You can get our conversation now for free wherever you download your podcasts. Straight ahead, help navigating the future of the workplace. Are you doing it from home, the office, a little bit of both? Maybe the answer could impact your career and your salary. Vicki Wynn's going to have some practical advice to help you get what you want. But first, this is Today on NBC. Let's get started with your headlines here at 7.30. Fencing around the U.S. Capitol is back up this morning as police get ready for a protest that's planned for this Saturday. A large group is expected in Washington. They're there to protest on behalf of the rioters who stormed the building on January 6th. It's still unclear how large this rally will be and whether members of any extremist groups are planning to attend. But Capitol Police have asked the National Guard to be ready to help with security if it's needed. Pope Francis is now weighing in on whether President Biden and other politicians should be denied communion because of their stance on abortion. Pope Francis says that Catholic bishops should be pastors, not politicians. His comments came Wednesday during a flight from Slovakia to Rome. He said that bishops must serve with, quote, compassion and tenderness, not condemnation. The U.S. bishops recently agreed to draft a teaching document intended to rebuke Catholic politicians for receiving communion if they support abortion rights. Country music superstar Reba McIntyre had to be rescued this week from a building in Oklahoma. Reba was touring an historic building under renovations in the city of Atoka. 
Well, the stairwell between the second and third story just collapsed, trapping people on the upper floors. It actually took fire crews and ladders going up a window to help everybody, including Miss McIntyre, climb safely down. Thankfully, nobody was seriously hurt. I bet it was real scary, and we're happy to know Reba is yeah. A-Oak. Don't mess with Reba. No, no. Okay. no. Mm -mm. Uh, let's go back to outer space, shall we? Um, the first ever all-civilian crew is orbiting the Earth in a SpaceX capsule. Yeah, right now. It's a journey that kicked off with last night's successful and spectacular launch of the Inspiration4. And in a moment, we're going to talk about their mission with a former NASA astronaut. But first, NBC's Carrie Sanders is at Kennedy Space Center for us this morning. Hi, Carrie. Good morning. Well, good morning. You know, the amazing Inspiration4 crew includes a billionaire businessman, a geoscientist, PhD, a millennial medical professional, and an aerospace engineer. Ordinary Americans on an extraordinary journey. Right now, they're about 360 miles circling planet Earth at an astonishing 17,500 miles per hour. Taking moment, the SpaceX Inspiration 4 mission lighting up the night sky when it blasted off Wednesday in a fiery launch from the Kennedy Space Center, taking off from the same launch pad as NASA's Apollo moon missions and the first and last space shuttle flights. Officially, the Inspiration 4 crew are now on their way to space. The first ever all-civilian crew now orbiting the Earth on board the SpaceX Crew Dragon capsule. Commander Jared Isaacman, pilot Cyan Proctor, mission specialist Chris Sombrowski, and medical officer Haley Arsenault soaring into space and soaking it all in. After a hero's welcome in Cape Canaveral and a whole lot of preparation before their liftoff. So these are essentially the last steps that they will take on planet Earth for the next three days. <laughs> As is tradition, signing their names and also making a mark on the world. Leo has you loud and clear. How me? I have you loud and clear, Leo. Six months of training. Training for space has been a lot of studying, but also a lot of really fun adventures. Coming down to this moment. Right to the doorstep of an exciting and unexplored frontier. A few have come before and many are about to follow. The door's opening now and it's pretty incredible. The four private citizens will spend the next three days collecting scientific research and enjoying the unforgettable views from this observation dome 363.5 miles away from planet Earth, higher than any other human has been since the end of NASA's Apollo program in 1972. The crew of space tourists sharing what they brought with them, including Haley, a childhood cancer survivor who is now the youngest American to go to space. So when I'm in space, I'm going to pull this photo out. A reminder of home to keep them grounded as they navigate among the stars, ushering in a new era of civilian space exploration. With the arrival of the Inspiration4 civilian astronauts in space, yet another record. There are now more people in space at the same time than ever before. Astronauts from China... NASA, and now from the SpaceX Inspiration, bringing the total to 14. Hoda, space is infinite, but let's get a little crowd up there. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, thank you so much. Well, with the Inspiration4 now circling at this moment, somewhere overhead, some 357 miles above Earth, we want to bring in former NASA astronaut Ron Guerin. He's the author of the new book. It's called Floating in Darkness. 
Ron, you've been where they are at this moment. I was just thinking about them. It's their first moments uh, up in space. Uh, Tell us what you believe they're experiencing since you have actually been at that vantage point before. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really exciting. that what they're experiencing is awe and wonder. It is just indescribable to see our planet from that vantage point. And what I experience, I think, is a sense of gratitude. Gratitude for the opportunity to, to see the planet from that vantage point and for the planet that, that we've been given. And I think, you know, that view is, is more than just beauty. It's, it's, it shows our unity. It shows how interconnected and interdependent we all are. And uh, I think it's transformative. Absolutely. But it, I just was thinking about you. You spent six months, I believe, in space. Just practical stuff. Yeah. Like you wake up. First of all, do you sleep? Can yeah. you sleep? You wake up. You eat. I mean, what is it like to just really be there floating high above the earth? Yeah, you know, I had a really hard time uh, figuring out how to sleep in space. I think where my head naturally went in zero G was uncomfortable, and it took me about a month to figure out how to how to sleep in space. And that was unfortunate because my first mission was only two weeks long, so it uh, it it uh, you didn't, I didn't get a lot of sleep on that on that first mission. But just simple things like going to the bathroom and uh, drinking uh, out of the out of the little bags that we have, and all of those things are. Uh, there's a learning curve, and it's it's, it's really steep, but uh, you got to get on it. <laughs> it's really cool what these guys are doing up there, but there are also some practical things that are coming as a result. What do you think NASA will yeah. learn from having these four up in space? Um, I think there, there's a possibility that it could affect some of the training that NASA does. These guys, uh, you know, there's no passengers on Inspiration4. They're all crewmates. Uh, they've all been trained extensively um, in the in the very brief time that they were training, which was about six months. And so uh, I, I think it challenges some of the mindset that, you know, you need years and years to train. Now, they're not doing spacewalks. They're not docking to the space station. Uh, they're not retrieving or deploying satellites. Uh, but just the basics of going to space. Uh, I, I think, especially when you're on an aut- uh, automated vehicle like Dragon is, uh, I think it changes the, the paradigm a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, it's incredible. You know, they also have apparently the largest continuous window in space. Yeah. Well, it, in the Dragon yeah. capsules, yeah. So they got a really good view. <laughs> so I guess that perspective is even greater. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost like uh, being out on a spacewalk, probably. Um, you know, you're in a dome, a glass dome. Uh, and so, yeah, I'd like, I would like to experience that myself. That's, that sounds like a lot of fun. Ron, Darren, Ron, thank you. You're a thank lot of fun. You. We appreciate your time this morning. Thank you. <laughs> My pleasure. Ron is. He's such, <laughs> a, such a great ambassador for space. Yes. Time, right? uh, when we come back on this busy Thursday morning, addiction, stolen money, a murder for hire plot, a tangled web of suspicious deaths, the growing mysteries surrounding South Carolina attorney Alec Murdoch As he prepares to turn himself into police today, we'll have the very latest and some breaking news on a new investigation that's being launched right after this. Hi, everyone. I'm Jenna Bush Hager from Today with Hoda and Jenna and the Read with Jenna book club. There's nothing I love more than sharing my favorite reads with all of you, except maybe talking to the exceptional authors behind these stories. And that's what I'll be doing on my podcast, Read with Jenna. I'll be introducing you to some of my favorite writers. These conversations will leave you feeling inspired and entertained. To start listening, just search Read with Jenna wherever you get your podcasts.
We are back right now with In-Depth Today. This morning, a slew of new developments in that ongoing saga surrounding a prominent and powerful family in South Carolina. NBC News has now learned that Alec Murdoch will turn himself into police today. This comes after he admitted paying another man to shoot him in an elaborate $10 million insurance scam. NBC's Katie Beck has been covering it all of it from the very beginning. Katie, good morning to you. Yes, good morning. Alec Murdoch's attorneys tell us he will be surrendering here within the next few hours and facing at least one charge. But new this morning, investigators launching another investigation into the 2018 death of the Murdoch family's longtime housekeeper. Soon, Alec Murdoch will stand before a judge in a courtroom he knows very well. But this time, it will be as a defendant, not an attorney. The well-known South Carolina lawyer now turning himself in after a string of devastating events, starting with the murder of his wife and son three months ago. And most recently, an alleged roadside shooting in which Murdoch himself was shot in the head. Police say Murdoch admitted to arranging for another man to take his life part of a massive $10 million insurance fraud scheme. Curtis Edward Smith is behind bars, charged in the plot. The death of Maggie and Paul Murdoch, along with several others tied to the family, are now getting a closer look from authorities. Murdoch's lawyer Dick Harputlian spoke to Craig exclusively on Wednesday. Your, your client lied about the circumstances under which he was shot. It, it wouldn't be a stretch for folks to think that he probably also lied about the circumstances under which his wife and son were shot. They were very affectionate. They, they Maggie and Paul uh, and Alec all together, uh, Paul and I mean Maggie and Alec holding hands. He is totally distraught. I've, we've talked to him at length about it this week. Uh, clearly, he is distraught about their death. But, but he did, he, did Dick, not did he, murder Dick, them. Dick, so, Dick, he didn't murder them. Does he perhaps know who did? And why? I don't think he does. At the time of his death, Alex's son Paul was facing charges related to a boating accident that left 19-year-old Mallory Beach dead. People have helped cover up things that shouldn't have been covered up. Overnight, South Carolina law enforcement announced a criminal investigation into the death of Gloria Satterfield, who worked as the Murdoch's housekeeper for more than two decades. According to a wrongful death settlement that lists Alec Murdoch as the defendant, Satterfield died after a trip and fall accident in 2018. Satterfield's two sons pursued the wrongful death claim and court documents indicate a $500,000 settlement was reached. How much money have they told you they've received from the settlement? Zero. I'm going to chase anybody through the gates of hell to get the money that these kids are deserved. Murdoch's lawyers telling NBC News, we cannot address these claims until we have an opportunity to review and discuss with Alec. Katie, so much to unpack. Let's let's talk about the housekeeper for a moment. What exactly are authorities looking into in that new investigation regarding the housekeeper's death three years ago? Well, first and foremost, Craig, I think they want to figure out how she died. The coroner says there was no official autopsy done at the time of her death and that her death certificate actually cites the cause of death as being natural, which is inconsistent with someone who suffered a fall. Craig? 
So many questions. Katie Beck in Hampton, South Carolina. Katie, thank you. All right, let's turn to Dylan mm-hmm. now and get a check of the weather. What's shaking? Uh, we're still talking about the hurricane season. It is in full swing, and we have a lot of storms out there. And uh, some of those could develop into named uh, storms, especially Invest 96L. But you can see we have post-tropical cyclone Nicholas in the Gulf. We have Invest 95L that could become something in another tropical disturbance coming right off of Africa. So this is the storm system we're going to watch. Now, the good news is, even though there's a 70% chance that it will likely become a named storm, as it moves to the north and east, it should stay away from the east coast. However, it looks like a gorgeous weekend for the east coast. That being said, lots of folks at the beaches watch the rough surf, watch the dangerous riptides, uh, the rip currents. Those will uh, certainly be in full effect as we go into this upcoming weekend. So that's going to be the biggest concern with this storm. And that's your latest forecast. All right, Dylan, thank you. Coming up on our Future of Work series, the intense debate over where you work at home or in the office and how that answer could impact how much you make. But first, these messages. Carson's here. Hola. Hello. Hola. Sorry you guys say it earlier. The debate is on. We're going to have plenty to discuss when it comes to Rolling Stone's updated list of the best songs ever. A lot has changed. Ugh. We'll break it down. But first, this is Today on NBC. 